This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylong. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through their Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're wondering what color filter we'd get as we watch Spine 151 in the Criterion Collection, Steven Soderbergh's Traffic from 2000. But first, RJ, how's, hmm. it, how's, how's it going this week? It's a real shit show over here, Jarrett. Yeah? Well, we schedule this podcast, and I show up promptly and on time, as always. My co-host decides to show up late. He's not organized. He's not even ready. We get started, and then I find out that he has major technical issues on his end that he uh, needs to resolve. So we film or we record, I don't know, about an hour of a podcast, <laughs> and then you find out that it's totally wasted. And then it's it's more of a metaphor for what we're doing with our life in general. Mm. It's not that it was an hour wasted. It's that it's a life wasted. What's, what's the name of that podcast? I don't want to listen to it. Um, I think it's the Criterion Creeps. Well, it's weird. like the absolute best creeps you can get and like how to make them to a certain, um, you know, level of quality. I see. Yeah. Some you serious understand? creeps talk. Well, I mean, that's all I got now. I gave you all my good stuff earlier. So, I don't know if people can uh, can hear through my tone, <laughs> but uh, Jarrett's a real animal, and uh, I'm really annoyed with him. And by the way, Jarrett's sick, and uh, it serves him right, yep. I think. After mocking the uh, god, sick gods last week, saying, you can't get me, and here we are, mm-hmm. drinking some uh, lukewarm Earl Grey tea. Earl Grey? Did you put some uh, cream and honey in that thing? No. You're an animal. So my throat was sick too. Uh, or I had like an ache in my throat before we started. So I did a, a little hot toddy. I put some bourbon in a cup, some hot water, a whole lemon, and some honey. And I feel great now. Well, So you got to put some honey in there and uh, maybe even a little lemon, buddy. Mm. That double bergamot isn't uh, going to clear you up on its own. No, this one's, uh, I feel like this one's uh, taking its course. It's, it's, it's stuck around for a day, so... It's not, mm. it's not one of those like, oh shit, I'm going to get sick, and then it just goes away. You're like, yes, no, I'm not going. It's be one of those throat you. ones. Oh, it's the the raw roof of the mouth. You're gonna wake up tomorrow, and your throat is gonna be so fucking sore, burning. And I can't wait. Well, you won't even see me for like a week either. Cause, that's true. Uh, you're bailing. Yeah, more than a week on, if on I'm lunch. lucky. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know what? I'm 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 going on a field trip tomorrow, Jarrett. No shit. Yep. To Frank's slide. Whoa, cool. Yeah. And then uh, head smashed in Buffalo Jump. Whoa. Some real some real local treasures that are uh, wow. not not too far from us. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Our are tax you... dollars at work, huh? Yeah, that's absolutely. Well, actually, it's not. It's uh, student tuition dollars at work, I, yeah. I would say. That's a small part of that pool, my friend. Yeah. So that's where I'll be, and uh, you know what we're doing for lunch? We're to- we were told that we we're gonna eat lunch on the bus, so I'll be eating my my ham sandwich that I prepared uh, ten minutes ago on the bus. Outstanding. So I'm not really looking forward to it. I would uh, cause I would use the time to do homework, but I don't want to like bring my computer and like lug it around on a bus all day, and then it'll only be on for like. A couple hours and old battery will die and don't even have internet is is the worst Jarrett it's the worst That's, there's that voice again uh, do you like it Ugh. anyways uh, I'm glad you're sick and uh, it couldn't 
it couldn't have happened to a a better uh, a worse guy. There you go. Yep. Stop yourself. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's, I was gonna... that's fun. You get to go on a field trip. Yeah, that's true. So I won't see you for if I'm lucky a couple months. I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll have to eat my uh, diarrhea-inducing curry all my own. You should uh, elaborate on that a little bit. <laughs> well. RJ, as you might be aware, uh, at at my job uh, and where you're uh, currently attending school, uh, there's the student union and uh, there's a variety of uh, restaurants uh, to choose from, uh, one of them being a uh, an Indian restaurant. And uh, for some reason, RJ, it seems like when I eat uh, their food, uh, within an hour or so, I'm like, you know, I think I better go to the washroom. <laughs> I better go take care of this mm. thing that's happening inside of me. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be like, you know, making stereotypes or whatever. I feel like it probably has a lot to do with the fat, fact that this food's like really high fat food. And mm-hmm. the human body might just be able to be like, hey, you shouldn't put this inside of me. But I think that's mm. more than anything else. Well, well, that whatever butter and whatever like just high fat chemically crap they're just dumping in for flavor. Rich creams. <laughs> oh yeah, rich creams all left and right. Uh, well, last week you had a little experiment where you um, you tried the local Chinese restaurant instead of the Indian food oh, yeah, restaurant. Right, right, how, right, how did right, that fare? Right across the food court. Uh, it was fine. So there was no. Uh... Yeah, well, it was just like shrimp and rice and some like vegetable and some noodle stuff and it was like fine like, mm-hmm. it's not creamy sauces just slattered on it's like you want some nan bread to like help scoop up some more of that goo that delicious seasoned goo mm. delicious goo he says yeah so delicious. Uh, yeah I, I think uh, i'll be taking a break from uh the, the indian food uh as mm-hmm. much as i like those samosas uh, which are also, of course, deep fried, so that that doesn't uh, help with the uh, help yeah. mitigate the high fat content. for your gut health. Yeah. So, what are you going to eat instead? I'm sure the fans uh, well, want to know. Well, this, as if you're asking, and everyone wants to hear, uh, mm-hmm. I will probably be eating a pastrami sandwich in my office. Did you say pastrami? Pastrami. Pastrami. Yes. I don't. It's know a weird that, way to put it. I, I don't know what that is, but. Uh... Well, what do you put on your pastrami? Like a little Dijon mustard, maybe some sauerkraut? Fr- no. Make it like a Reuben? No, 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 no. French's, French's Fr- mustard. Come on. What about, where's your Dijon? No. Where is not in, your Dijon? Not, not in my fridge. Do you, you don't have Dijon mustard in your fridge? No. Why, though? Really, do, do you not really, like good things? I don't really like Dijon mustard. I don't have any of those fancy mustards. But why are you a bad person? Because <laughs> I like yellow mustard. I love it. Yeah, I like yellow mustard too. You know what I do sometimes? I put a little bit of yellow and I put a little bit of Dijon on it as well. Oh my god. You know why? Because I uh, am educated and I have a refined palate, my friend. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyways, what are we even talking about anymore? I don't know. I was talking about how sad I'm going to be tomorrow, eating my my pistrami sandwich by myself. Oh, well, that's your fault. While you're gallivanting in the mountains. Maybe another another mountain will, like, fall on you. And then we'll be talking about, we'll pull you out. You're the only survivor. We'll call you Baby RJ. Why Baby? Don't you know the story about Frank Slide, little baby Frank being pulled Uh, out of the the landslide? Didn't Tony, like, eight people die, and it was, like, old people who, like, refused to leave their houses? I don't know. 
Something like that. Something like that. I'll find out tomorrow. You sure will. Got a great time of year to go out. Uh, well, today would have been a really good day for it because it was yeah. sunny and there was no wind. But apparently tomorrow it is going to be windy. It's also the mountains. I don't know how yeah. much it melts in the mountains part of this world. I don't know. Don't ask us. We're indoor kids. That's right. Like our yeah. cats. That's right. Hey, RJ. What? We have an email. We do? Singular? Singular email from mm. a new a new name. A new, are they? Is this the Lithuanian fan that uh, no. I asked to email in? No. Uh, this is, we'll get him one day. This is James Ivy. James Ivy. That's like a real, um, it's a real sensual name. Yeah. Uh, and James Ivy. James writes, you gentlemen are great. Listening mm. before bed reminds me of when I was younger and listened to fireside chats from President FDR. So that is sensual. Question, how can this be, though, when I am only 35 years old? Mm. Answer, I snort loads of cocaine during RJ's ripping intro song. I really mm-hmm, enjoy mm-hmm. picking up a criterion with a spine number that has been covered by you two. Always fun listening to your podcast after reviewing. Well, mm. thanks, James, for your email. <laughs> there's, there's more questions than answers raised by it. Um, any thoughts there, RJ? I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I think you, you're right. There are a lot of questions there. Is he ripping coke? I would like to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, frequently on the Instagram, people read my uh, my posts. And I've two separate occasions, people have commented that they felt that they were written by an individual who was on whippets. Yeah. So uh, I can relate to that. If this guy is ripping hard coke when he's listening to me ripping hard ass. It, ripping intro song. Which is interesting. I didn't know you oh, wrote. I didn't know you wrote our intro song, RJ. I, not only did I write it, Jared, but I perform it as well. Holy shit! It, it, see, this just goes to show the level of unprofessionalism that Jared Duncan puts into this podcast. I'll have to let Ugly Cry Club know. You should. Uh, well, it's always nice to hear from new people, and uh, I agree with you. I think we need some more information on what's going on here, but. Uh, but yeah, you know, who 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 are we to put that on someone else? Well, you know, who knows? There's always next week. There's always next week. But you know, it's just like if it, if if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. You know, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's nice to hear from someone. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, RJ. What? What you been creeping this week? Who me? Yeah, you. Uh shit. Nothing. Mm. Well, a few things. But mostly nothing. Um, so one of the reasons we haven't... Uh, I was really busy this week. I had like events to do, places to go. We had I mean, axes to throw. Yeah, I went to an axe throwing place. It was fine. Um, it's a little bit uh, misinformation and false advertising because it's really just hatchets. Mm. It's not really an axe. Um, I, w- I went with... I was asked to go for a birthday party, and there was eight of us. I got second. You do like 20 minutes of just round robin playing against someone else, and then you do a little turn- tournament style. Uh, so I got second. That's pretty cool. Uh, it was f- it was fun, but uh, I don't think it's something people ever do more than one time. Mm-hmm. I-, I-, I couldn't really find – I don't know if there would be anyone who would be like super into it that wouldn't just like – do it make it make their own at home or something 
like just get get a huge log and throw an axe into it it's, <laughs> if you like it that much you know it sounds like a, a like a psychopath's pastime it's it, in their backyard practicing You're like why is that guy in his yard practicing throwing an axe at a throwing target axes at target I, I, I just why does the target look like the other neighbor bill yeah, or... you don't you don't get it yeah well so the guy uh who was like because it's you're in like a weapon shop there's a guy who has to be with you the whole time which is like kind of a bummer but uh he was a nice guy well you know he as soon also... as you take that guy out of the equation people are starting to throw axes at one or sorry hatchets at one another that's true actually yeah. and it, it will happen. oh 100 um, yeah i've lived well, I've, like li- a, I've lived in this community range. long enough to know that, that yeah. would 100% wind up happening like on a way too frequent basis and be like, oh, no, not not again. Not again. You'd be happy to know there was a, a two-drink maximum. They did serve alcohol, but you were not allowed to have more than two. Oh, good. Yeah, so uh, they they do try to set, put some boundaries there. But the guy, so the guy who was helping us, he had uh, an axe tattooed to his forearm. So that shows you how much he is really oh, into this shit. Oh, my God, it's probably his business, too. Probably. And like, honestly, it was full when we were there. It was full, but Ugh. I don't know. I, I don't see like any longevity in this thing. Like, I don't know what the end game is because it'll come and it'll go. Yep. I imagine. It's like those, uh, the VR lounges and the escape rooms. Oh, fuck. There's like nine of those in town. <laughs> There's three escape rooms and I've seen three VR rooms, I think. I don't know. Why? Why I why would you want to go into VR and put this like sweaty fucking goggles on that some other guy just got like lice and shit in <laughs> and then you get pink eye because of it? Yeah. Don't tell me that's not what you're thinking too. No. <laughs> well, okay. Well, what were we even talking? Oh yeah. So I did axe throwing, and then uh, I went to. Um, I know you don't watch anymore, but I went to the Royal Rumble, the WWE, and uh, I actually left before it was even over because I forgot that WWE pay-per-views are like nine hours long. Yeah. Uh, So I didn't even see the men's rumble. Oh, that's too bad. I saw the women's and then I saw the the three matches in between. Um, I still think it's like fun to watch like once a year which is what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. But I've been watching for what? When did you guys first have me over? Was it like two years ago? Yeah. Three years yeah. ago? Yeah. So this would, be your, this would be probably your third Royal Rumble. Yeah. And then I think all in the whole three years, I think I've seen what? Like maybe five or six. Two, two WrestleManias and I think one like Backlash, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So like not that much, but um, watching it this weekend, I was like, huh, this is really all they do every time, hey? Like you, you see like the repetitiveness to mm-hmm. it where like, so the one that stuck sticks out with me so much is uh, the tag team match with uh, those two chuds, uh, Seamus and Cesaro. Yeah. And it's like, I was like, every one of these I've watched, they have the exact same match. It's them. And it's like that one tall dude spinning another guy, the big redheaded bastard hurting someone else. And then like Shane, uh, Shane McMahon comes in and like does his throwing hands bullshit that like lasts for a second. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, what do it's like? What, what, what is the point of this? So I, I, it really stuck out to me this time. I was like, I've seen this all yep. and I've only seen like five of these in like three <laughs> years and I've seen all of this already. Yep. So I don't have a whole lot to report. The only thing that was actually pretty funny, and I, I missed it, but the the gifts were 
uh, abound afterwards is uh, the last member of the male Royal Rumble was uh, my girl Nia Jax. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was in there and she got taken out by Rey Mysterio and uh, Randy Orton, the gay porn star, uh, came out of nowhere and gave her an RKO. So that looked pretty fun. Yeah. Men I, you you know Vince women. was laughing at that pretty hard. Yeah. Well, He's like, look, it's comical. She's a gigantic woman. Yeah. Watch her get beat up by a bunch of dudes. Uh, there was a um, so that one that I went to there's like a pool where everyone puts in like 10 bucks and then you draw numbers so I had like and then whatever number you draw is the person that comes out out of 30 and uh, both of them I got like number 4 and number 11 and they were just like in the women's rumble it was the the first two people out were the two that I had and I was just like this sucks well see the the way the way we did it one year was uh you got like the whatever. There's six people. Everybody gets a number, and then once your number gets thrown out, though, you get the next person who comes in. Oh, okay. So cause otherwise, that's it's good. like it's, otherwise it's like totally bullshit because it's like that's oh, that's a good way to go. You, otherwise, your person's just out, and you're like, well, that, that, you lose your interest. Where it becomes a lot more fun because you're like, oh shit, is my guy going to get eliminated before like 27? Who usually wins mm-hmm. these things? And then it's like ah, then you're, then you're involved with it. The, yeah. if, I think the one year I had like the guy who like came in second, and he was in till like the, almost the end, and he still lost. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I got I got this albatross around it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, that that can happen. Um. But that was definitely like there, so. There was fifteen people there, so everyone just got two people. Uh, um, but well, well, technically, I, everyone get two numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Oh so yeah, like, oh sorry, yeah, I, yeah, in you're the right. The I had four and eleven, 15, and then is fifteen people. Yeah, and then in the Good men's, Lord, I had four lot, and sixteen. That's, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Oh. So I don't, I don't know. I think I'm, I, I like watching these, but I might be done with it. Uh, unless you guys have a party again and I can sit on that sweet computer chair in the back and eat yeah. some uh, Doritos and get hammered, yep. then uh, I, I, I might be done with it. Well, that that comes down to uh, Corey uh, buying the network again. But him and uh, WWE aren't talking it right now. so mm, That crown jewel wrecked it for everyone, hey? Yep. Go, getting into bed with the Saudis. It does it every time. Yeah. Well, don't bring that up on this show. Uh, censor that out or else we'll get flaked. <laughs> uh what was i gonna say though okay so the last thing i'll say about that is uh so my dad through our business we always do the ncaa like uh march madness basketball oh yeah stuff and i think i talked about last year but what we do i find is like the most effective thing and it's the pleases everyone so i know you're not totally familiar with it but there's four divisions and then you have teams ranked from one to 16 in all four divisions and so, like, the number one seeded teams are in each. There's four number ones, and those are, the, like, the best or favored ones to win, basically. So what we do is we have a set number of people who are allowed to enter. And once it's full, it's done. And people can partner up with each other if they want. And then you get one team that is a one to four seed from any division. And then you get one team that is a five to nine seed in any division. So everyone has, like, a really shitty, like, number 16 rated seed but everyone has oh and at least one to four ranked Man, this ncaa double well. a movie sounds awesome hey there's some i know <laughs> there's one person out there listening who watches sports they're not all nerds like you and they're probably like hmm, that sounds fun or and then the rest are like where's the D talk uh, see well this is this is why we need that balance you you hit the heavy nerds that no one cares about and i'll come in and i'll talk about sports once in a while yep well, hey, you, 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 you've got your uh, your Super Bowl coming up. 
Ooh, yeah, that's next weekend. I've had a, I've gotten in trouble on that one before. I don't know if we were doing the podcast that one year that I got in a lot of trouble from I, the no, Super Bowl. I, I, I believe we were. We were. Yeah. That was bad. Uh, Anyways. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we talked about it. Um. So yeah, I only watched uh, two movies. Uh, you know, I've been watching a lot. Uh, we we started watching Parks and Rec again. Which I know I've mentioned to you off pod, mm. but uh, out of all those shows, I think that is hands down the best one of those. Of the 2010 sitcoms? Yeah, well, of like the 30 Rocks and the Offices and all of those. Parks and Rec is, I think, leaps and bounds would you pull, uh, ahead would, of all of those. Are you talking like specifically about like those like NBC ones? Well, like, you know, that like that era, like that's like the 30 Rock, Park, uh, Parks and Rec, The Office, and then Community. what were community it's always yeah. sunny in philadelphia uh well it's yeah. always sunny is something different completely i mean like the family yeah like the nbc stuff basically okay. but yeah that that one's far and away the best uh i think once i'm done i think you should watch it you you watch it with chanel it'd be a nice bonding experience for you so i always skipped when i watched it i skipped season one because i heard it was not very great and uh, I, just, uh, I started with season two and i figured things mm-hmm. out pretty quick because that was also my introduction to chris pratt Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just like, oh, this guy. And then he, uh, is hilarious. And, uh, cause he plays like a great dumb person. And then, uh, yep. Nick Offerman's amazing. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. was, I think that goes without say. And then everything else in the show is like, good. It's not bad. Uh, as he, was he, as he's sorry. I, I hate that character. <laughs> he, he's pretty annoying, but like yeah. he does get bounced out where like when John Raphael comes later, they, they get better and they're funner, but I'd say the first two seasons, he's really annoying because you're like, he just wrecks everything. Why is he there? Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, it's quite good. And, and, uh, and so Adam Scott's reaction to like the months he was spending on making his animation, uh, is absolute <laughs> all time banger classic that we actually, we just watched that episode, <laughs> yeah. uh, two nights ago. That episode is so good where he's making calzones. Cause that's uh, like the season premiere, right? Cause it's after he's like, out of he's lost and he's like and he's like I, I can't remember i don't know it all blends with us because that's season four which we're in now and then like once when you rip through that stuff it's kind of hard to keep keep it in line unless you're trying to but uh yeah adam scott is terrific in that and um i don't know i've i've picked up on like a lot of things that i think you find on rewatches where like in season one someone mentions that leslie will have like triplets and then she does in the end of the show hmm. and i was like oh shit there's the other Con- bit that, connections. Uh, my probably my favorite Chris Pratt bit is uh, they're like at some like grocery store and he just goes, "What's that?" and he just hits this lever and just nuts come pouring down this cascade. Like, I yeah. laughed, I laughed so hard at that because it's just like, wow, <laughs> like it's, cause it's the, the timing is so perfect. It's like a bulk barn, yeah, where you like fill up your own and he's like, "What's this do?" and he just hits it <laughs> yeah. and then it just pour like the entire tub pours out and then he just walks away. Yeah, yeah, it's quite good. Uh, I would say. Because I remember people, uh, I think even I used to beg on season one, but watching it again now, season one's fine. Yeah. And it's only six episodes. It's, it's, like, not, you, it's, it's not as bad as uh, Office season one. No, no, no. It's like, I would say season one of Parks and Rec is fine, and it's worth watching, too, just because it's more more of it. Like, there there was one thing, actually, in, like, the first or second episode that's really funny. They're doing, like, a canvas, and uh, they're talking about, like, putting up a park in the uh, the empty lot. And then Ziz and Zari's surveying someone and the guy's like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, maybe have like a pool for the kids. And uh, he's like, oh, how many kids do you have? And he's like, I don't. And he goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. 
So <laughs> it's it's good. I like it. Uh, did you ever watch the Netflix season of Community? Uh, the one like after the fact with like yeah Mike after 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 they were canceled and then it's like they kept going. I, I never no, I never did. Um, I I didn't. Well, you know my stance. I think Dead is better. Like a like Arrested De- like Arrested Development. Yeah, Dead Dead is better, and like because that's what we were talking about last week with The Sopranos, and then I realized I. I put myself into a trap because the obvious and counterpoint is Twin Peaks. The return mm. is the prime example of why some things do need to come back. But uh, I think in most cases, dead is better. So when whenever that community thing did come out, I was like, no, I'll leave it in the past. I'm OK. So anyways, you want to hear about the movies I watched this week? Sure. Oh, OK. Um, well, Jared, I went to the theater last night. I actually got andrea to go to the theater no not last night last week uh last week and she hasn't gone to a movie since um well her friends dragged her along to uh that fucking movie a star is born and she hated it and then the last movie i think that we went to together was probably shape of water last year um she doesn't like going to the theaters and uh this was uh this theater experience was no different Jarrett. Um, but we, the movie, the quality of the movie shone through, shined, Sean shined through. Uh, so we went to Spider-Verse, uh, Apoth, your recommendation. I'm making up words left and right. I don't give a shit. Uh, so we went to that Spider-Verse. You were saying it was hot. Friend of the show, Ryan Nagel was saying that it was hot. We had to go check out this thing. Uh, I am happy to report that it checks, your guys' story checks out. That movie is wicked awesome uh i think you were right in a post spider uh, spider verse world there's no longer a need for live action comic book movies because this shows to so like to such sharp precision of how much better an animated version of this can be that it's like why would you do anything else it's so much better other than the fact that live action sells like three times as many tickets that's yeah, that's the I, sad reality I, and of like it. i know too, i'm not i'm not <laughs> i know naive, oh, but i know I but it's like it, but i know it. one makes a better movie but at the end of the yeah. day it's like people want to go see stars they want to see scarlett johansson yeah i i get it too like the world sucks but uh no spider-verse is crazy good like um you were right there's there's jokes that you genuinely laugh at. Mm-hmm. There's actual sad emotional moments. And there was a lot of times where I was just like amped up. I was like, yeah. I was like, get in there, baby. Go for that shit. How about that and, Prowler reveal? Ooh, baby. Did you so did you know about that? Because you is that no, what it is? I, 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 it is, but I didn't really know that. And uh, so yeah. I was watching, I wasn't thinking that's where they were going, but then it's like obvious mm-hmm. that's where they were going. You're going Once you, yeah. Oh, and it's like, but it's really good because it's like, oh shit. That's a, that's really really well done. Yeah, I um I and, think there was even a... like the uh yeah even like the Doctor Octopus thing is like really well done too. It's all like so like so many good bits like that that part is awesome when she comes in and it's fat Jake Johnson Peter Parker with his gut and sweatpants, sweatpants. Oh, and sweatpants. he's putting out the vibe and he's like oh hey what's going on? Uh, he was Andrea um said she was like he was the best part of that movie for her. Because uh, it's just Jake Johnson. Like, that's just who he is. So he's just like a schlubby, mildly overweight guy who's kind of like, eh. um, 
I liked John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. He didn't get a lot of no. screen time. Uh, I wish he did. Um, Nick Cage is pretty good. I actually really liked the anime version of Spider-Man, like the the girl, what was her name? the yeah. girl, like Miko or whatever Pen, her name, Pen Parker, Pen, Penny, Pen Parker, yeah, yeah, Penny Parker, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. I thought that one was actually really funny. I was like, yeah, I want to see more of that. Um, no, yeah, it had it had good jokes. It had good action. Um, I I really liked the way they kind of blended in, like captions. To kind of have that like comic book feel where Mm -hmm. like you just have even so either it was his inside like his inner narration, like inner monologue stuff, or it was details about the scene like onomatopoeia type stuff where or were like sound words. Uh, I really liked how they use that. Like that's exactly what I would have if I was a little kid reading comic books. I think Spider-Verse is exactly how I would want it to be like play out in your head as a movie because it's kind of like the best at a uh, translation of that. Spider-Verse is very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have, we did run into some problems in the theater. Uh, there was a few, we had to go to the 3d one because that was the only option available. And there were a few times where it wasn't, uh, it didn't line up. So things were kind of out of sync. Weird. Now, is that's that, annoying. it's kind of hard to tell in that movie, though, too. Because of the depth. I, I know. So there's there are scenes where the depth or the field of depth or whatever, like their perspective, the background is fuzzier. And it what it wasn't those moments because I could pick those out. It was other moments where the the 3D wasn't lined up quite right. Oh, that sucks. That does suck. And then we had, I think, one of the single most annoying theater uh, attendants I have ever had ever uh it was a 10 11 year old boy and uh this little boy and his five-year-old brother uh their piece of shit parents thought it a good idea to drop these kids off at a 9 40 movie on a friday night unattended and leave them be so this 10 year old uh. boy and his five year old brother were we sat in the second last row at the top. Yep. They were in the row right behind us in the very back. Oh. And every time there was a joke, this 10 year old boy would go, ha, ha. <laughs> he would look up and he would like sound out the word ha and he'd go, ha. And we would look back and we're like, what the fuck are you doing? And like he knew too. Like he knew he was being shitty. Because when the movie was done, I made eye contact with him. And he like slowly, like he quickly looked down and then like would look back up. He was like, oh shit. Like I don't think he, I don't think he was like scared that I was a stranger. I think he was like, oh yeah, I was being a little fuck. I was like, yeah, you were, you little shit. And there, there was like moments where like when the spider bites Miles and he slaps it, the little kid was like, that doesn't make sense. And like he was like just talking out and we're like this piece of shit little kid. And you know what it was? It was because his his fucking parents dumped him off at a movie on a Friday night. Yeah, maybe it was. I know some people be like, well, maybe they had to work. It's like maybe they did have to work. But teach your kids manners. (laughs) Dag nabbit. You little fuck. Stop yelling out at movies. Ruins it for the adults trying to watch the little kids movies. Anyways, Spider-Verse is real good. Yeah. So I don't know if you have anything to add. You never really had a, a full t- opportunity to discuss. Well, you, you, 
you talked about what you liked uh, was, about it. I was but... enthusiastic about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's like, yeah, there's just so many good plot beats to it. Um, I mean, it's been a month or so since I've seen it. But yeah, I, I love the the origin comes off really well. You get the, like, you get swerved, I guess, early on with like a big death. And you're like, mm. whoa, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. And then, uh, yeah, it just kind of like, oh, then you get kind of brought into this origin story. And it's done really well. It's like, awesome like staging and cartooning mm-hmm. as far as like Miles Morales like interacting with space learning how his powers work and it just escalates and builds and builds and mm-hmm. builds it's beautifully done and then uh, you just things just keep kind of escalating from there is how he handles these things uh, and then the Spider-Verse stuff kicks in um, yep. and yeah it, it, it just builds really really well um, mm-hmm. and it looks gorgeous. Uh, it doesn't feel like anything else. It's just like, man, I, I never feel this like relieved and happy watching a Marvel studios movie, which just feel like mm-hmm. burdens to watch. Um, th- my greatest dread is that somehow, uh, black Panther wins best picture this year. And I oh, have fuck. to, and I have to watch it. Um, I think you're going to be okay. I'm pretty I'm sure pretty Roma sure will win everything. Yeah. But, so. but I, I really am not looking forward to that. But actually, no, I think I would rather watch Black Panther than Bohemian Rhapsody. So That's true. Yeah. And at this point, I honestly, I don't want to watch any of these fucking movies. Like, I don't even want to watch Roma anymore Is because that- of all this stuff. Like, oh. that's my own malice and, like, mm. vindictive uh, mentality about things. But... The way people were talking about it, and there's this guy I know, and he's really hot on Roma, and I'm like, eh, I don't like it anymore. Such a contrarian. Well, it's it's not contrarian. It's more spiteful than anything else. Yeah. Oh, it's all a package deal. Yeah. So, um, hey, do you want to hear about Stripped t- to Kill? Yes, I would. <laughs> okay, so I asked Jared the other day. I sent him a, a list of the movies I have in my watch list on Amazon Prime, which I've mentioned before. Amazon Prime in Canada is like a real shit show for content. But what they are slowly starting to amass is this huge uh, catalog of like 60s, 70s, 80s, like grindhouse or less known horror films, like schlocky horror horror films. So there's like all all this horror on there. And it's actually nice for me. So there's a ton of movies I want to watch. But like outside of that, there's... There's like almost nothing on there worthwhile, I would say, which sounds weird. But if you if you ever look at it, you'll you'll find out. So I sent Jared my watch list. I was like, what do you, what should I watch at lunch tomorrow while I'm at the school? And Jared was like, strip to kill. And I was like, OK. And I think I realized why you told me to watch this. <laughs> no, uh, uh, the reason I, I said you should well, watch this is because it's been on my radar to watch for like a couple of years because it sounds like some real 80 sleaze of serial killers and like well, I think strippers, it was, but, but I then. thought it was personally a challenge, Jarrett, <laughs> because I don't know if you know, but about 30 minutes of this is actual strippers stripping. So I was trying to watch this fucking movie at a public space and there were strippers full nudity. And I was like, I, it was on my phone, but I even had it like close to my face because I was so self-conscious about it. So oh, I was like, yeah. is this why he picked this fucking movie for me? <laughs> was to like make it difficult for me to like watch this fucking thing? Mm-hmm. My point is, it was difficult. And I only got through like 20 minutes and I had to stop. I was like, I can't fucking watch this here. I couldn't do it. So I had to watch it at home. 
but I don't know if you were going to say anything else, but that was that was my point is I think you were trying to challenge me. Well, that and then like as a total coincidence, uh, I forgot this movie was directed by one Cat Shea, who is like all the talk on the Twitterverse in a particular nook of movie cinema fandom. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever there was like some, there were like, I think in like LA, there was like some sort of like triple feature of, uh, her movies and this would be amongst mm-hmm. them with like poison Ivy and street oh. and this. Well, that's what I was wondering. I was like, why did, uh, why is she in like the common tongue right now that's all me. over the internet? And yeah, it, that is it. That is yeah. why I'm actually, I'm on the page, the strip to kill page here. Cause I was going to like, I couldn't remember her name, but Cat Shea, and then it was, I was going to get the year. But in the uh, one of the fir- most recent reviews, it says third film in a Cat Shea triple feature. Yeah. So there you go, I guess. So yeah, it was directed by Cat Shea in 1987. Uh, this movie is called Strip to Kill, Jarrett. You have uh, a ragtag team of strippers at a strip club called The Rock Bottom. Uh, they're kind of like a family. They all get along. They all hate the sleazy owner. He's like an old guy. He always has an unlit cigar in his mouth and he's always like, I'm not paying you unless you go show your tits. And, uh, they're like, okay, well, so he has like some kind of rule where it's like they have to be topless for 30 minutes or something like that, or else they don't get paid. Mm. So I don't know if this is a different era or I don't, I don't know how this strip club worked, but so anyways, they're there. And then what starts happening is some of the strippers start to be murdered. Uh, and then you're introduced to a ragtag, ragtag team of undercover 80s cops. Uh, and they're, you you see them and they're undercover as like homeless people trying to find out what's going on in the homeless world. And then they come across one of these dead strippers. Uh, so then the female cop goes undercover at the strip club. And she gets put in a tight situation where she has to strip Jarrett. Uh, and then her partner, who is Keith Sutherland from the Lost Boys, it is the exact haircut, the exact earring, the exact leather coat. Uh, I don't know. When did Lost Boys come out? Like 85 or something? Yeah. Or before? Something, something like that. So anyways, it, that's what it is. Uh, so they go and they try to like investigate this. Uh, so this movie is like, it has some really 87. Action. Oh, okay. So w- chicken or the egg, I guess. Cause it is, it is the, it was, it was the look RJ. It is the, that, I guess that could be it, but all you have to think, think is Keith or Sutherland and Lost boys. And that's what this guy looks like. Um, so this movie is actually like, it's actually shot really well. And it kind of feels like a big, Hollywood produced movie and I don't really know what I mean by that like whether it's the film quality or the cinematography or the direction like the way that she kind of paces the camera through stuff it just it feels like a big movie it doesn't feel like what a lot of these movies are when I watch it like when I pop on a Jim Wynorski movie I know exactly what I'm watching Uh, this doesn't feel like that this feels like I don't know low grade Steven Spielberg where it has like that kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's actually. So this movie had way, way more actual stripping than I I thought. And maybe I'm naive or I'm just ignorant or something. But I didn't. Usually when I watch these movies, there isn't that much of whatever like the title is. There's a couple scenes of it. This movie has like 30, 30 solid minutes of stripping in it. I think while well, there's, they don't get paid. 
or they don't get paid exactly uh this it also has some of the most like creative and artistic and wild ass stripping you've ever seen uh like so the cop she's really uncomfortable stripping so she does like performance art where like one of it it's she's like caught in a spider's web and she unravels in the web and she's like all sparkles and then the other one is like she's she just comes out and like sits on a couch and then like opens up her shirt to show her tits and then just sits on the couch. So it's it's really weird. Like there's all this like super creative stuff where uh, one of the strippers has a snake uh, and is just like using the snake as like a dick kind of. That's not creative, but there's a snake. Uh, but then there's also like really boring and uninteresting like strip dancing where it's just a girl sitting on a motorcycle and she's like revving it. And you're like, <laughs> you're kind of like, like, who is this for? What is it? What does this crowd want? What are these 80s people? Uh, but like all the stripping, I for me, having not been an 80s person uh, growing up in the 90s, I was like, all of these strip things just seem like an 80s uh, music video, but with actual nudity to it. Like that's how all of them kind of played out. And I was like, that's kind of fun. It's got a, it definitely feels like an 80s movie. It also has like that 80s cliche where you get like the undercover beat cops and, uh, it's like, is there, like of, is there a lot of denim? There is a good bit of denim, yeah. but I, they like they put off that impression that like a cop's job is to like go undercover and investigate like whatever they feel like. Yeah, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, okay, is that how this works? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's just how uh, you know, just on, being a cop your, is put like. Put on your baseball cap, uh, your shirt, tuck it in those jeans, look like Jerry Seinfeld, and go solve some crime. Go solve some crime, man get that uh, lost boys uh, style um so it's got like it's got a lot of good elements to it but uh the biggest thing about this movie is it is not interesting at all like it's pretty <laughs> boring uh you're watching it and like there it's like i said it plays out really nice and it's got a good feel to it and there's cool parts but on the whole you're it, i don't know like i i was never interested in this and honestly i was like this movie's kind of fucking boring so it's it's okay for certain elements, but there's one uh, death scene, which is like, I thought was fucking brutal. And I was like, whoa, uh, do you want me to tell you? Or are you going to watch this? Go for it. It's not like I, it's over. I already overhyped it. But I, like when I watched it, I was like, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, it's like a girl. Um, she's like on a bridge and the killer just comes behind her and pushes her over the bridge. And it's only like a 20 foot drop. So she like hits the ground and then she's like coughing up blood because she's just hurt, but she can't move. And then he just starts pouring gasoline from like the top of the, the bridge. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh, so I, I, I don't have to there, like there's actually a bit more that happens. So I won't say that, but. Uh, that scene, I was watching it and I was like, whoa, I was like, I didn't see that fucking coming. Um, but again, the only bad thing is there's only one other death scene in this movie. Only two strippers get killed. Too much stripping, not enough killing. Not enough killing. Yeah. So for, uh, for a movie called stripped to kill, um, the emphasis was on the stripping, I guess, which, uh, I was, believe it or not, less interested in than the, uh, what I wanted to watch. So it's, it's okay. Um, it's just nothing to, nothing to write home about. It's it's not very interesting. Mm. So are you gonna watch it now? Mm, less likely at this. You can point. watch that death scene. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what YouTube's and for. There is at the end. There is a fiery showdown, uh, and there's some of what I know you love, uh, full body burns, 
and it, it's in like the last like five minutes. But it's not like those are on market act, quality. Actually, I don't know if you could qualify it as an as a legitimate full body burn because it's not a, a guy in a suit. It is a guy who has like clearly has like a fire blanket on his body, and the entire blanket is on fire. Mm. But it's not like his individual arms like in a well padded suit. Right. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, you see how I only had two movies, but I somehow talked for like forty minutes. Yeah, I noticed you did that. How does that happen? Axes and the Royal Rumble will do that to a man. That's true. But I, I thought you might want to hear about the Royal Rumble as you are a, a lapsed fan. I am and will yeah. remain for some time. Well, there you go. Did you watch anything this week? Uh, yeah, I'll talk about that later. Uh, I watched a six-hour long miniseries. Mm. <laughs> um, so that, was, that took up the bulk of my uh, time. What? Yep, and uh, I did manage to watch one documentary I can talk mm-hmm. about briefly, and that is uh, Moebius Redux. So this is a documentary. It's like Moebius. Moebius. Uh, yeah. It's an hour long, and uh, it is about the French cartoonist Moebius or mm-hmm. Mobius or Jean Gerard or Ger, as he's been known as all those names at various points. What's his, what's his real name? Jean, Jean Gerard. Oh yeah. So he is kind of like the, I don't know. He's got a pretty iconic style. Uh, his like stamp on culture, I guess, would be he like was the designer for like the Fifth Element, where it's mm-hmm. like, very obviously his like visual influences there. But I mean, he was like, I think the Fifth Element sucks ass. Yeah, the movie sucks. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying anything about that movie beyond like mm-hmm. there's some good visuals and uh, that's one of those things. But like he worked on that Jodorowsky's Dune that never happened, which then mm-hmm. led into Alien, and he designed the spacesuit on that. Uh, yeah. One short story he did, Ridley Scott liked a lot as well, and he bound, he borrowed for that in Blade Runner. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are like his like movie connections. Um, but he's just like one of those illustrator cartoonists that worked on a uh, metal Hurlant, uh, or heavy metal here in North America. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this like exquisite draftsman who makes these like amazing visual comics. Uh, there's like very few people who draw as well and effortlessly, it seems, uh, as he did. He died like what seven years ago. Um, and so yeah, I was Moebius? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that dude was dead for like fifty years. No, no, he he well, he's, he's like, just he, old. He was old. Okay, and uh, life settled with him finally. Oh, well, I guess so. Uh, anyways, yeah, th- this was fine. Um, I was just like wanted to watch something more about him because I didn't really know much. So watched mm-hmm. it. Had that you know talking head syndrome. Lots of uh, people talking about his influence. Mm-hmm. You got that Jodorowsky. You got that Stanley because they did a Silver Surfer comic together oh, one time. Good. And it's just exactly it's like every Stanley uh, interview that's ever been given. Mm-hmm. Um, and who old HR guy got. Talking like a menacing evil man. Talking about his fucking little. A little gremlin. Oh, he's a he was a total gremlin. Mm-hmm. Well, how tall was he? Like four foot? I have no idea. I'm gonna look he, it up. You he, keep talking yeah, about he, this. He, uh, I don't know. He's one of those guys. Like Nick Nolte. When I see them on screen and they start talking, I just start laughing. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> they just don't fuck. Talk he's un- He is uncomfortable to look at. Yeah. He, he's a. Oh my god. He's a. He was a fella. Ugh. Also dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he. Deserved it? Oh, RJ. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but he he is actually like his appearance is unsettling. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I've been 
skimming through some of the Dark Horse comics has been re-releasing his stuff in hardcovers, but they're very slowly doing it. I guess they had to really do some negotiating with the uh, his wife and, and mm-hmm. the estate because she wanted a lot of money. And I guess they came to some kind of compromise, but like they haven't got to the old stuff that everybody wants. They've been doing like recent things and like weird sketchbooks, which is like mm-hmm. actually awesome for me. That's the stuff I really want to see. But uh, one day, all these things that are like hundreds of dollars translated because they came out like in the 80s and 90s, uh, they'll get re-released now for all of us to consume at a reasonable price. But uh, Okay, so... So wait, anyways, what are you saying? Uh, that, <laughs> Finish that's, your that, sentence. That, 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 that's about it. That's about Moebius Redux. Uh, it's adequate information delivery. Uh, it's not going to... I don't know. These things are just like... There's like a... What's his name? One uh, British writer comedian dude he did one on like in search of steve ditko mm, mm-hmm. uh, jonathan something jonathan Ross. is that any good uh it's fine yeah but i don't know they, they, they seem like bbc had some like real like hard on about doing stuff about comic people for like a minute like eight mm-hmm. years ago so this was one of those things oh hey so Okay, so it was mostly just one picture of H.R. Geiger that I saw. That's pretty weird. It's just because he has gigantic sideburns, but uh, he was 5'7", which isn't like that short, but, you know, you... I thought it's... Did you try to send me a link here? Yeah, it's the link to the picture of him oh, with his gigantic wow. sideburns. You sent me a image of Google Images itself. Motherfucker. So I'll have to well, take your word. It's supposed to be him with his gigantic okay. fucking sideburns. Well, everyone's got Google, RJ. Well. but Yeah, that was it for it me out. for watching. I've just been drawing. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't watch anything else? No. That was it. That was like that in the six-hour miniseries I watched to accompany Ooh, shit. traffic. Um, hey, RJ. You got, you got any news for us? Oh, hey, I have news. You made me watch. I watched 20 minutes of uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, per your request. <laughs> and uh, that movie's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. That's what is I, that? What is it? It's, it's the it's the end of the trilogy, RJ. Yeah, yeah I know. But like, but, but like, who is Robert Rodriguez even? Who is Robert Rodriguez? He's a filmmaker. I guess he's got that. He's got a movie coming out this year that I want to see mostly because I, I like the comic. No, Battle Angel Alita. Oh weird, yeah, with the weird CGI eyes. Ugh. The weird eyes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Anyways, uh, the Batman is scheduled to be released June twenty twenty one. That's a long way away from now. A lot of things can happen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Ben Affleck is so, out. Poor, poor Matt Reeves. He's just going to continue like not making any movies in in between. I guess until the two years. Well, I think it's scheduled to film next fall, like next November. So it'll film for what, like three months, November, December, January, and it'll have one whole year of post-production? Almost two years. Depends on when it gets released. June 2021. Well, if they film... If they actually do it, yeah. They're film, not filming till next year, or they're filming this year. And I don't know. That was that was the rumor, but know, that could change. Who even fucking But cares? anyway, well, the release date is a year and a half from now. Yeah, or two years. Two? No, I, yeah, actually, sorry. That's a that's a full two years from now. Yeah. Two I, and a half years. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. That's a long time from now. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. How, well, how James, fucking hard is it to make a Batman movie? Well, he says it's going to be a noir film, baby. Ooh. A detective film. 
Oh, this is weird. Uh, Suicide Squad 2 oh, slated for man. August 2021. So that is also two years from now. They just put a tra- like a trailer teaser thing. Like oh no, that's week. that's not Suicide Squad. That's uh, oh, Birds of Prey. Oh right, the Harley Quinn Emancipation yeah. thingamajig. But, that looks but like tr- the, crap. Yeah. yeah, the big thing here is that James Gunn has actually been confirmed to be directing now. Ooh man, well, that makes more sense. So, right, it makes more sense. Yeah, but yeah, that that's a full two two and a half years from now. Also, are they still making a Flashpoint movie? No. They've abandoned that. Oh, wow. So everything's done. It's well, this, this Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Yeah, so Wonder... Well, Shazam comes out this year. Like Wonder Woman month, 2 comes out. Right? Isn't it like right away? Yeah, it's right away. And then so oh. and then Wonder Woman 2. And then I think they're greenlighting Aquaman 2. Everything else has been abandoned. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Uh, in other news, the Criterion Channel is coming in April. Yeah. This is terrific for us as... Their previous online forums, like Filmstruck or whatever it was, we could not have in Canada. But this one we can. So that's that's exciting. Yes, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Good for us. Hey, Dick Miller died. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see that. When did that happen? Today. It was announced. 90 years old. I didn't see that at all on the internet. What the fuck? I feel like that would have been bigger news. I saw that like two hours ago. Oh, I see. It's now it's now on my um on the side of my Twitter trending, but it my trends are being completely dominated by Ben Affleck. What did he do this time? No, it's just because he's out of the Batman. Oh, is that what people are talking about? Yeah, didn't we know that too? Well, that's what everyone like thought, but well, that sucks that Dick Miller's dead. He was uh, good in Small Soldiers. Yep. That's what he should be remembered for, right? I'm sure Joe Dante is very sad. Fucking Joe Dante. And Roger Corman will like to also uh, share not his condolences. Anymore, is, <laughs> is Roger Corman still alive? Uh, I have to ask Kirk Douglas. So dead. Kirk Douglas is surely dead. Roger Corman's still alive? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> He was born in 1926 in right. Detroit. How are these people alive? Oh, my God. 92 years. It's clean living, RJ. Uh, this is actually... You want to hear something that will melt your heart? He has been married to the same woman for 49 years. It's terrific. Terrific. How many times do you think he... Uh, cheated on her wow roger corman is 92 being sued by his sons yeah and keeping uh but the 92 year old legend won't let that stop him from making movies mm-hmm. yeah those sons want they're they're like pissed that his dad their dad's still alive and he's like selling rights left and right mm-hmm. he's making all these deals and they're like that's our legacy you son of a bitch because they're all going to be old men too well who knows if uh, he was actually even the real father to those children wow so many allegations. Hey, it's really easy to say things on an internet show that no one listens to. That's right. Until they do. Until they do. They won't come back for me. No. I use an alias. <laughs> There's some guy in town named RJ that I've been saying, I've been claiming that that's who I am for years. Can we just call you good old JR? You could if you wanted to. Okay. You could do whatever. Um, 
You ready? Dude. So yeah, sad yeah, news. Let's, sad let's keep news. Going. But Criterion's great. Uh, hey, let's talk about a movie that we're all here to talk about. How's that sound? Wait, what do you mean movie? Uh, we're gonna be talking about one of the traffics in the Criterion Collection. There's more than one. There's two traffics. Jesus Christ! Did I watch the right one? I hope so. Oh no. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to be talking about Jacques Tati. <laughs> no! <laughs> In Mexico. Drugs. Around the Bay of Mexico. Way up Susiana. Mexico is the place I belong in, round the Bay of Mexico. Wind from the east and it's blowing strong. Way up Susiana, looks like a hurricane coming along. Well, round the Bay of Mexico, the wind will blow and that rain will pour. Way up Susiana. The sugar boats up on the shore Well, round the Bay of Mexico Round the Bay of Mexico FBI, CIA, DEA, ATF, IRS. Right now they're scared of you. I know everyone that you're going to meet. I know what they want and why. Anything else? No, sir. They brought him to Washington to win a war. Will we get invited to the White House? Well, I don't know about that, honey. None of my friends can freaking believe my dad's actually the drugs are. We need to take down one of these cartels. They took her husband to send a message. What is going on? They came into the house. They just took him away. The DEA has got him. Do not discuss anything over the telephone. How am I going to survive this? They apprehended a witness to win their case. We hired drivers with nothing to lose and throw a lot of product at the problem. This has worked for years. I have actual dreams about this. About busting the top people, rich people, white people. (laughs) And they paid an informant to get the truth. Mexico law enforcement is an entrepreneurial activity. You should feel good about this. I feel like a traitor. But the war they thought they had won. You might want a pencil and a little FaceTime with your daughter. See? Now you see. Let's do some more. Is just beginning. Who does Carl sell to? You should not have any contact with those people. The doll is high impact, pressure molded. It's odorless, undetectable by the dogs, undetectable by anyone. <laughs> I want the principal witness against my husband killed. This winter, we're going after their top guys. Your government surrendered this war a long time ago. The director of Aaron Brockovich and Out of Sight. I have a job for you, but I don't have much time. Takes you beyond the slogans. Where the hell are the drugs? All right. Behind the corruption. You make us believe you got a boss. That's a death sentence. And into the depths of an underworld. You worry about getting me what I want. I worry about myself. Where no one. Open the door! Don't do this vigilante thing. Gets away clean. Just tell me where my daughter is. Don Cheeto. We got you making the deal on tape. Benicio Del Toro. It's all about the money. Dennis Quaid. Stay out of this. And Catherine Zeta-Jones. Now get out of the car and shoot him in the head. Traffic. And we're back. 
This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Traffic from the year 2000, directed by Steven Soderbergh. The film's tagline, no one gets away clean. And the... <laughs> that, is that really what it is? Yeah, it's one of them anyway. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the synopsis from Letterboxd. An exploration of the United States of America's war on drugs from multiple perspectives. For the new head of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, the war becomes personal when he discovers his well-educated daughter is abusing cocaine within their comfortable suburban home. In Mexico, a flawed but noble policeman agrees to testify against a powerful general in league with a cartel. And in San Diego, a drug kingpin's sheltered trophy wife must learn her husband's ruthless business after he's arrested, endangering her luxurious lifestyle. Is it really luxurious? Is that like a plot point? Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, they got a pool. Yeah, but it's it's like never actually shown she, she, that like she, 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 she gets to have like like martinis with the, the her friends at lunch while her kid oh, golfs. I mean, when they when they joke about fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah. And the doctor said I could have one glass of wine, but I had two. <laughs> glug 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 glug. Did you find that weird, or is that just me? Um, is that just suburban housewife stuff? Yeah, I think so. Or not suburban, I guess. Uh, high class. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, RJ. It's a different world. Okay, so, anyways. So, so Traffic. Okay, uh-huh. so Traffic is a movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it is the first movie uh, that we've watched in the Criterion Collection that I saw in theater when it actually came out way back in the day. Did you not see Grand Illusion in theaters? No, unfortunately. Um, mm. I, I, despite the fact that I'm 80 years old, I have not. I did not see Grand Illusion in theater you're pretty old dude yeah uh but yeah i did see traffic when you were what 10 yes i was 10 years old yeah so this movie i'm sure was on your radar you you heard like ebert Uh, giving it four stars it's it's big uh oscar nomination it's definitely on my radar i've owned it for like six years but i've never watched it before well there you go how's that for being on your radar uh big time big time big time how about that? So for the one thing uh, I've been neglecting to do the last uh, several weeks that I want to do is to talk first about the uh, the DVD cover or Blu-ray. I'm not sure if it came out on Blu-ray. Do you have the Blu-ray or DVD, RJ? I do have the Blu-ray. Ooh, nice. So It is uh, the poster from Letterboxd is the Blu-ray cover. Yeah, the, the silhouetted figure. Floating like heads. Have, yeah, not, not that cover. <laughs> uh, it's like floating heads with a, a platoon-style uh, man in the middle of it. Whatever the letterbox cover is, that's my Blu-ray cover. Oh, so is, is, is it not Criterion then? No, I, I own a non-Criterion oh, version of Traffic. Oh, well, uh, the mm-hmm. Criterion cover is uh, a bit nicer okay, than, good. than, than the, the headshot cover. Mm-hmm. Um, with this man, this kind of silhouetted figure being like seemingly gunned down over this like hazy, mm-hmm. uh, rusty, golden, uh, sat- desaturated image. Yeah, that's on the Blu-ray too. It's just uh, there's talking or floating heads above that thing. I see. Yeah. yeah. So this, this one takes out the heads. Okay. So it's nice. less dumb, I guess. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know, something about floating heads and like saying, hey, Michael Douglas you... is in this movie. Check it out. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yo. On Amazon, when you look at tri- uh, tri- Traffic Criterion, uh, the information is completely wrong. 
uh, for actors, for so it's traffic, Criterion Collection, Blu-ray. The picture is right. All the pictures are right. For actors, it says Caitlin Maloney, Fran Allgood, and then director Bruce Nash. And when you click on Bruce Nash, it goes to Adventures of Pluto Nash with Eddie Murphy, Rizzoli and Isles, the complete seventh and final season, The Man from Snowy River, Dinosaur from 2000, <laughs> Armageddon from 1998 starring Rick Simpson. <laughs> what the fuck? What is going on here? None oh, of these add up. Encino no. Man starring you've, George Stokes. You've gone down the to the, the dark web, I think. The, the, none of this adds up. Jarrett, none of this. Has, so I think Amazon's having some major technical difficulties right now. That Jeff Bezos is full of shit. Uh, anyways, uh, I was just looking and I found that quite bizarre. Hmm. So, so this this cover, RJ. It alludes to this movie's, uh, you could say, like ambiguous view of the the war on drugs, America's mm. war on drugs. Um, so this, I'd seen this movie before. Uh, I saw it a few times. I remember uh, seeing this in theater and picking up the Criterion DVD because at the time I was like, oh, cool. And it was like cheap. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it was it's loaded with special features. It really uh, harkens back to the day when uh, DVDs were just like loaded with like, I think this has like three commentary tracks, like 25 deleted scenes, making of everything you could, Ooh. everything you could spring for. Um mm-hmm. And I remember watching this movie at least once or twice back then. But since then, I have not seen this movie. Um, and going into it this week, I was like, kind of like, oh, man, I have no idea what I'm going to think about this watching it nowadays. Uh, sure. Like, because it's like, this is like, feels like a, a throwback to a different time. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, it uh, spe- when you're looking at this on Wikipedia, one of the like, uh, kind of like subcategories this links to is something called hyperlink cinema. And, oh, what uh, does that mean? Well, it's these movies that have like multiple character storylines happening simultaneously. So like Pulp Fiction would be kind of an example of it. For, but for me, this movie gets more grouped into like the the Babbles, the Syrianas, these movies mm. that like they're about real world geopolitical what have yous. Really, they're issue movies. I would also throw Crash into that mix. Oh, one hundred percent. And like, even more like a, just like interconnected different people stories from different geographical locations and different cultures but hey we're all dealing with the same shit man that's crash that's mm-hmm. babel and then uh, apparently traffic started it all well it uh or maybe not it, all it, it, but... it helped pave the way because i mean robert altman yeah. was doing these sort of movies like forever like uh Nashville, Na- Nashville is like this type of idea of like multiple storylines and like shortcuts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He, he, it's old hat. Lots of movies were like this, but it seemed like sure. they, they started getting like kind of funneled down into that, and like traffic might have like kind of kicked that off, and then it climaxed with crash. Ugh. Yeah. Ew. So anyway, uh, yeah, I went into this kind of like, oh no, and also like in general, like I feel like Steven Soderbergh's star has sunk uh, over time. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of retired and then he's like completely Shit. gone back out of uh, retirement and just continued making movies like insane. Uh, well, that and even that Logan Lucky or whatever that fucking thing was like when it was came out, wasn't there a weird thing like either they he never said he directed it 
or uh, whoever wrote it uh, is his wife. But on the the film was credited to different people and everyone was really confused. It was like, why didn't they just say it was them? That's, why did they try to hide it? I don't know. That, it's, that, that's a... That's a Soderbergh move. When you look over his filmography, okay. he's he's got lots of like weird stuff up his sleeve. Like he just just springs movies on there. He's like a kind of like how Trent Reznor just like makes stuff and then says, "Hey, I'm gonna put it online for free." It's one of those types of things where he's like, sure. "I'm gonna, I'm playing by my own rules." <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so I'm pretty sure this is gonna be the first and last film that we watch that has Orrin Hatch show up. Uh, if you're familiar with Orrin Hatch, Ooh. Senator of Utah, uh, Republican, he, he pops up here for a cameo. Uh, there's that scene when Michael Douglas goes to, uh, some gala in Washington and, uh, he, oh, like a, an actual, and yeah, yeah. There's, there's several actual politicians that they actually got uh-huh. to, uh, come in and they actually shot scenes with some random extras. And then they actually got like four or five people mm-hmm. to come in and actually do, uh, scenes as themselves, but with uncredited, odd thing. I think uh, Louis, Louis Guzman is more impressive than actual senators. Uh, one, uh, 100%. He is more impressive yeah. than Orrin Hatch. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, here we have, uh, Louise Guzman, Benicio del Toro and Don Cheadle joining the criterion collection. <gasps> uh, we are still waiting for Don Cheadle to return cause we will be uh, seeing Benicio and Louise, uh, again. Is, is Boogie Nights not in the criterion? Not yet. Uh, I, you know what? There's, there's a pretty good chance that it's coming because uh, those New Line Cinema Platinum Series DVDs like with Beth Bamboozle's coming, there's a pretty good chance that Boogie Nights is coming in. Yeah. And the original, uh, I think like, I can't remember if the Laserdisc was, but I remember like, like, P.T. Anderson was like all about like he put color bars in the like the one DVD or the back mm-hmm. when the special edition DVD came out. He was like very adamant about putting color bars on there just because yeah. I love the Criterion Collection so much. So one well, Louise Guzman's coming back. Oh, yeah, he is for, and, and, for and, several. And, movies. And, and, and Benicio is going to be there for, uh, in Fear and Loathing in like a little while. Well, I mean, he'll be there. But the big thing is that Luis Guzman is going to be back for Anger Management, that hit Adam Sandler movie from 2003. Of course. Of course. Um, He's in a lot of movies. Yeah. Fuck. So not only, anyway, RJ, going. is this a contemporary film, uh-huh. uh, it's the first Steven Soderbergh film. Uh, there'll be more of those as time goes on. Uh, uh-huh. But this movie's pretty star-studded. We got Michael yes. Douglas, Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, who were just recently married at that time when this movie came out. We got, we got, we got Topher Grace, Dennis Quaid, uh, Albert himself, Miguel <laughs> Ferrer, uh, mm-hmm. John Slattery of Mad Men fame. Just, just, mm-hmm. just a guy here. Um, uh, there's also like some some of my main dudes, like Albert Finney. Uh, I love that guy. Uh-huh. Uh, what's um. Josh Brolin's dad, yeah, James, James Brolin. Brolin yeah. uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, has an appearance. He's big now. He's like a, isn't he in a lot of like Tarantino movies now? No, that's not right. He's a big actor now, though. People seem to uh, be real hot on him. You got a guest appearance from Benjamin Bratt from Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. All sorts of people, Jared. Yeah, so this is like a kind of a, a big movie, like for a contemporary modern movie in Criterion. This this is like got to be like a one of the most how many like, how many Oscars did it win? It's a good question. My I, Blu-ray it, it, says four. Yeah, but it didn't it didn't win the big enchilada though. It got director, yeah, screenplay, 
editing and supporting actor for Benicio. And this is so this isn't the first movie that that's won those best picture accolades because there was like mm-hmm. historical ones that have got it at that point. But at the time, this was kind of like uh, their first real. I feel like kind of like one of their big stabs at like kind of a mainstreamy movie to get their name out there. And uh, in like a couple months, we'll be talking about Royal Tenenbaums, which was like kind of like another mm-hmm. one of those movies. And actually, next week, George Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. That was another movie from two thousand. But anyway, yeah, RJ, what did, what did I think of Traffic this time out? Uh, that's a good question. Tell, you tell me what you thought about Traffic this time out. I thought this movie held up pretty darn well. I was hmm. actually really impressed with uh, a lot of stuff in this movie. Just like the pa- like I, the pacing, the editing. Um, the I was like very fearful that the politics and like kind of like writing of the dialogue would be really dated the way that like some of this political stuff goes. Um, but I kind of forgot that Steven Soderbergh was really aware of that sort of stuff. And so he was referencing like the uh, uh, Alan Pakula school of like making these sort of movies, like uh, all the president's men and clues mm. and stuff like that. He wanted to make a movie that was like a timeless political thriller. Did you say the Scott Bakula political uh, thriller? Nope. Um, <laughs> sure didn't. But yeah, oh. um, he wanted to make something like, and this is like David Fincher kind of did the same thing with Zodiac and, uh, he mm-hmm. like where they wanted to make something that's like, Hey, let's not pander to the audience too, too much. Uh, and like kind of just like present these things and like kind of be real gritty about it. And I think, <sighs> I think, it, I think it comes off, uh, okay. It comes off like, again, much better than I was like be afraid that it would be. Cause nowadays mm-hmm. it seems like when these same types of movies get made, they're like, unbearably sanctimonious mm-hmm. um so to go along with all this conversation uh before i watched this i watched the original bbc miniseries traffic with a k uh that oh you is, did that this is based on from 1989 uh mm. it's six episodes about 50 minutes to an hour a piece uh so i they're all on youtube and so i thought you know what maybe i should watch this thing because i've never seen it before Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it got released on DVD back when this came out and it was like the, the, the TV series behind the movie. Um, and I was actually surprised, uh, when I re when I was watching the movie, just like how much of the source material of this mini series got brought over. Um, the biggest change is obviously that, um, uh, this, uh, traffic with a K is more, uh, Eurocentric, uh, instead of Mexico, you have Pakistan and like by, uh, mm-hmm. uh Afghanistan. And about the heroin trade specifically. Um, and there's like cop characters. There's the rich housewife whose husband's the drug dealer who's been arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one character that kind of gets eliminated uh, from the uh, Soderbergh version is there's no farmer character. Uh, there's like, there's mm-hmm. no like growing uh, the drugs. Yeah. Like that would have like, been nice. Well, a so, nice touch, so yeah, actually. what's really, yeah, that character actually is really interesting because he is like fucked. That character, like, mm-hmm. he is just so hosed over in this because the whole idea that in this uh, film is that uh, you have Afghanistan who live in this arid area that are growing crops. And one of the cheapest, fastest, like, effective drugs that a farmer could grow in this part of the world is opium. Uh, it's oh. it, you, you can make a ton of money and you can grow mm-hmm. it fast and it doesn't cost as much to do it. But obviously uh, the West, which is uh, going through uh, its drug crisis, is like, no, quit making this stuff and uh, you should instead make good crops mm-hmm. but that no one wants to pay fair market value make for. Corn. Make 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 things that, you know, uh, you 
don't make as much money off of because it benefits <laughs> us. Don't you think about the people these are harming? And it's just like, yeah, I guess. But at the same time, these people are trying to make a living and like they're not drug addicts and they're making this stuff. What's what's wrong with you people? Mm-hmm. And so you get to follow this character who's like having to deal with the government who like cracks down on the crops being grown and you get to see his like journey to like make a living for his family, going to the city, winding up working for one of these uh, heroin dealers who is sending their product out into the rest of the world. And uh, he winds up in jail and uh, then his wife uh, winds up having to like smuggle drugs into uh, London, uh, the old fashioned way of uh, swallowing balloons and uh, with her kids and she overdoses and dies. And it's just like, oh, this is some, which like it's something that when I was like watching traffic, I'm like, doesn't this happen in this movie? No, it doesn't. So I have no idea. It's some maybe other it did, but it was cut out. It's some other things. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, that like that whole timeline of like the poorest part of the like totem pole, I guess is the like the farmer or whatever that, per- that story is mm-hmm. left out and they're kind of compressed all into a Benicio story with his partner. Where you get like kind of that end of the story. That's like who gets to be the stand-in for, uh, I guess like the brown perspective of like not like the not, what? The, Sorry, the, the brown perspective. The not oh my Mike, God. The, the not Michael Douglas and his daughter, uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, mm-hmm. the cops and stuff like that. Because I guess you get Louise Guzman and Don Cheadle who are making jokes uh, about the fact that they're like, yeah, we'll make these white guys pay. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Speaking of Benicio del Toro, I love his Mexican clothing, his uh, his style, lots of polo uh, shirts like tucked into jeans. Mm-hmm, yeah, t-shirts, uh, sleeveless shirts, swinging mm-hmm. baseball bats around, bashing up dudes. Uh, it's a I wonder pretty... if would you think that maybe this inspired his role in Sicario, <laughs> that hit movie from twenty uh, something. Well, the, the less said about Taylor Sheridan's Sicario, the better. The better. Mm, what about Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado? I don't even know what that movie's about. <laughs> I just know that video of Guillermo, uh, Benicio del Toro where he's shooting the gun and he's just like wiggling his finger back and forth. Have you seen that? It is the most bizarre shit. So it's like the handle here and he's got his finger straight through and he just goes like back and forth. Like, what is that? It's not, <laughs> that's not an effective way to shoot a gun. Fascinating. I'm going to find this GIF. I'm going to post it on our Facebook. Yeah. Fuck you, Jarrett. Okay. So anyway, the BBC miniseries, uh, very good. It starts off like there's some real howler lines of dialogue. The stuff I was afraid would show up in traffic. Uh, mm-hmm. But by the end of it, it's like grueling, dark, depressing stuff. And I was like, man, that was really good. Uh, and so, yeah, went into traffic kind of like, let's see how it holds up. And it's like, yeah, no, the movie makes all the right decisions about like, hey, we have to take this like six hours of content and turn it into, I guess the first cut was like three hours and 10 minutes. And they came out with this two and a half hour version. For me, this movie blew right by. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like a, a fantastic ride of like, oh, I love when like a movie that's like this well edited, well paced, that's like two and a half hours, doesn't feel like it at all. And you're just kind of like caught up into the stories. Um, you have the four stories. You got uh, Michael Douglas rocking the uh, the white man haircut. It's uh, mm, a good very, one. Very political um, in blue lighting. And uh, in the story of his daughter who's run afoul of Topher Grace, who's a, a degenerate uh, drug addict, drug user, I guess. Hey, 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 you got to be real careful with the kind of language you're using here. You're going to offend a, an entire 
our drug our, 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 our drug addicted listeners. Well, the person who emailed in in the fr- front of the show, I think they might have issue with uh, <laughs> your your derogatory slang against them. All right. Um, so you have that bit. Uh, then you have yeah, mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones dealing with problems. Dennis Quaid rubbing up against her. It's not as well. Uh, it's not as sleazy though as the BBC series where like the the lawyer friend he actually does have sex with the housewife and uh, is like completely taking advantage of the situation. But then he's horribly murdered, and you get to see it. Unlike here in the uh, uh, the, the American safe version. You think this one plays it safe more? Um, yeah, oh, definitely. There's like nothing. There's like actually thinking on it. There's no. There's no real like crazy hideous violence. It's fairly palatable. Well, Most of it's like Luis Guzman gets blown up real oh, bad, but but, it, but it's all very much like uh, artfully done with Cliff uh, Cliff Cliff Martinez music ambiently playing over it all. Cliff Cliff Martinez. Yeah. Um. Those are the main four stories, right? Benicio, I think, is the heart of this movie. Uh, I I found his like his stuff was like really well grounded. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, and like yeah, Don Cheadle and Louise Guzman, they're they're awesome to watch. Uh, you, you get like yeah, Miguel Ferrer gets to be like the ham-fisted guy, giving out doling out the facts about how ineffective the uh, dr- uh, war on drugs is, hitting hard. Um, here's one for you, RJ. Did you mm. know that the U.S. continues to spend fifty billion dollars a year in their fight against narcotics? Is that the war on drugs? Well, they don't call it that anymore. Fifty billion. It's okay. Um. What 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 is included in their fight? Is this like safe fun, fun, injection sites and like <laughs> we don't treat those things? No, mm. a, yeah, exactly. So this is the thing: watching the BBC miniseries, which was made in 1989, watching mm-hmm. Traffic, which came out in 2000. Here we are, like ten years, third, twenty years, thirty years after the, these movies have all come out, and we're like, oh, things have gotten worse. Yeah. Yep. And uh, well, it's, it's like, like Miguel Ferrer said. He's like, what, what, what's it, what's it matter what you do? We'll just throw more shit at the border. Yeah. And uh, like, your job is a joke. And and this and like the, this is like before the cartels really got like insane with the violence and the like. Hey, let's hang journalists from overpasses with their guts hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and the, the the heads and the like mass graves. This is like before we get to Sicario darkness. Um, mm. But anyway, hey, Robert Harrison, uh, Robert, Robert Harrison, Harrison Ford was supposed to play uh, Michael Douglas's character at one point. Mm, and apparently there was a big like, well, you better have Harrison Ford in this movie or we're not making it. And uh, I don't think he would have been as good in this movie. Oh, he's, he's, well, as I've said in the past, Harrison Ford's a horrible actor. Um, mm. So, yeah, apparently he wanted to get back in touch with his action roots. Um <laughs> I think I would have preferred Kirk Douglas if he were alive at the time when this movie was filmed. I think he would have performed it a lot better with more poise and elegance, but he was taken too soon. So, <laughs> Hey, RJ. What? <laughs> uh, after like six, seven years of owning this movie on Blu-ray and not watching uh-huh. it, you, you got to watch it finally. And uh, what, what did you think? I did watch it finally. So I bought this, I believe. Uh, remember when Blockbuster went out of business? Yep. I went and I made a killing because um, all of their like, you know, I don't like germs. So I didn't buy any of those rental movies. I'm not an animal. Uh, but there were a few movies that were Blu-rays that I was like had my eye on for a long time. And it's like traffic. I was like, that movie's supposed to be real good. Look at that poster. Look how edgy it is. 
I want to get that thing. So when uh, Blockbuster went out of business, I think it was like five bucks or something for uh, like the Blu-ray. And I was like, I'm going to buy that shit. So I got it. And then it sat on my shelf for however long ago Blockbuster went out of business, which I can only guess is five, six years ago. And uh, I never had interest to watch it, to be honest. And then once we started doing the podcast, I was like, yeah, I'll watch it eventually. So I watched it. And I would say, Jared, that uh, I am mostly on the side of it's good. I am also on the side of it's a little much for me. Uh, So as a person who never watched this ever and is coming to it 20 years later, there were a few things like I think what you said, your fears of uh, certain things being a little heavy handed or like over the top. I got a little bit of that. Uh, Mostly like I did like it. uh, And there were a lot of things that I thought it did very well. Uh, There were just a few things that I was like, this is too much for me. Uh, The first thing, Jared, is when this movie starts and there's like a sepia tone like filter over the movie, I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I was really thrown off by it. I was like, what is this, Lars von Trier? Like uh, the oranges or yellow in Mexico and then the blue in Washington. I was really uh, put off by that at first. Mm -hmm. And I understand that a lot of people are like, uh, it sounds like I just did a quick glance at like what people said about this movie. And a lot of people will be like, I know it's like, it can come off jarring, but you get used to it. It's like, I did get used to it, but I I don't think I actually ever liked it. No, I I saw other other people too are like, Oh, what a stylistic, like what, what a, what a nice stamp of his style. And I don't really like that. Allegedly my understanding though is so, it was kind of a compromise of mm-hmm. like how to make to kind of audience proof it, how to make it clear because people because people are stupid and they might the and, they, and they're going and they're going to get confused about what's happening, where people at, what's going on in this movie mm-hmm. here, and so they're like, hey, well here's a solution, we're going to color code the movie so people will know what what's happening and and, and it's also like a you can also allege that it's like look it's like a different world um and this is like became yeah, and this movie kicked off a trend of this where mexico became yellow and yep. orange for movies like for uh from once upon a time in mexico to oh God. to breaking bad breaking bad did this constantly um Mm -hmm. and it's hilarious to me because it's like to this day it's like mexico is yellow and i'm like i've seen photos of mexico like it's not yellow it's like blue skies um yeah but 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 they live in deserts Jarrett. yeah so in the popular well it's like and same as like when you go to like foreign lands and deserts it's it's it's, they just color grade everything to look a particular way and it's Mm -hmm. like look so you know where you're at it's stylized and color coming color grading is probably one of the worst things, honestly, that's come along, uh, mm-hmm. and probably in cinema, and it's still hanging on. There's there's a time and place for it. There's a way sure. to make something work because you want to achieve a look, but rather than just like we shot this poorly the first time, and now we got to like cover up the fact that otherwise it looks like a gray mass. So we're just gonna make it yellow. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there was that element like he was shooting. Uh, Soderbergh was shooting this with some like some cheap low res cameras. Cause when you look at that Mexican uh, footage, it's like grainy too. And uh, so it's like, is that really, intentional or uh, was it? I, I think, I think, I think, it's, I, I think it's the camera. I think it's the type of the way okay. they were shooting. Cause they wanted to make it look gritty and like film stocky. And like, cause mm-hmm. he, uh, his references like for like films that he's taught, like he was looking at, was like, uh, there's the movie Z uh, battle of Algiers. He wanted to feel like it was like, you were on the street as it's happening. That's why it's mm-hmm. like kind of that handheld kind of grainy look. 
And then, yeah, there's like the color grading thing is like, as I said, it's like the thing I think about when I think about traffic is like yellow Mexico. Mm -hmm. And that's where like, that's the movie where it began, I think. And I don't know. I'm not going to defend it. I don't think it's, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't want to make it. I don't know if he would do it that way again. I, I understand where like, it's like I said, whatever we were talking about before, it's like, oh, for Spider-Verse. Where it's like, yeah, I get why you can't just do this because then you're going to lose a ton of money. So at the same time, I get why s- studios and production companies make certain decisions. It's like, we got to do this. People are fucking stupid. It's like, I get it. I do. Well, hey, I but, mean, uh, uh, worldwide, this movie wound up making like $200 million. It's a pretty good, well, there you re- go. pretty good return on $50 million, uh, rolling the dice on this drug drama. Yeah, exactly. Like, so there you go. But my point of bringing it up was that 20 years later, a mm-hmm. completely naive person. Like, I honestly, I didn't even know what Traffic was about. I had no idea what this movie was about because I just avoided it forever because I owned it. And I was like, I'll watch it eventually. <laughs> so, like, whenever someone would talk about Traffic, I would just, like, completely disengage and just, like, drift away and be like, I don't care. So, uh, no, like, when I was watching it, I was like, what is this shit? And then, like, there are times where I think he kind of, like, lets go of it where there's certain scenes where... It'll be like, say, for Michael Douglas, it'll be blue to establish that you're in his world now. And then eventually it kind of they tone it down a little bit mm-hmm. while, as this thing progresses. And I'm like, that's fine, too. But I never had a hard time like following along. And I don't even think I, I saw in Letterboxd here. They kind of describe it as like four stories. But I wrote it down as like six. You have the senator. Yep. You have the general, which is the cartel. Then you have the agents, which is Don Cheadle and Luis Guzman. Yeah. And then you have the soldier, which is Benicio del Toro. Well, then you have, yeah. Uh, and then you have the family, which I thought was Catherine Zeta-Jones. And then you have the addicts, which were the teenagers like Topher mm. Grace and uh, Erica Christie. But, 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 but that kind of compresses in with this, with uh, it, Michael it Douglas' does, story, right? But I thought like each of them had individual stories, right? Because like, Michael Douglas was the politician, but his daughter was the addict. Yes. And, and their that, stories go together, yeah. but they are separate stories at the same time. For, for so, a little bit until they're one story. Uh, yeah, I meant like um, – like their role in the drug yeah. thing. It's like you have a politician and well, they, then you have yeah. the actual user. Well, they, so have, it's they like, have different character arcs, but I guess they're, yeah. they're, they're, but they're blue RJ. So they're linked. They're both blue. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's what I mean. Like they do cross and that's that babble crack crash bullshit where it's like, it's not, it's not bullshit. Like there are movies that do it well and this movie does it well, but it's that I think, with time and then once it gets replicated so many other times you're like all right all right like all these interconnecting stories it's like eh. it's like maybe maybe you don't need this like benicio del toro to pass catherine zeta jones on the streets of mexico yeah that's maybe, the, you, maybe that's, you don't that's that cleverness yeah that's the other yeah like maybe you do i don't know maybe that's someone's favorite scene which is fine too if you if you like that whatever but when i was watching that i was like yeah I don't know. Uh, which brings me to my next point, Jared. Nobody needs Dennis Quaid. What? I'm taking a firm, hard stance. Uh, this is going to be Bill Paxton level of uh, negativity here. I don't think we need Dennis Quaid. And frankly, <laughs> I think we would be a better place without him. Because he serves zero purpose in this fucking movie other than to be a person 
who exhibits some uh, inhabits some space for a while, which is like his role in every movie. Um, other than I'll, I'll give him credit for one other than maybe Dragonheart, which is probably his finest achievement. Other than Dragonheart, I, I don't think we need Dennis Quaid, Jarrett. And I'll be the first one to say it. <laughs> so fuck him. Who else is going to play Vince McMahon in the biopic? Uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, so he's weird. Um, what else do I got for it? I'm, I'm going to hit the negative stuff first and then I'll tell you about stuff that I liked. Uh, I think some of the social commentary, uh, accurate as it is, there were a few things that I thought came off a little heavy handed. Um, mostly the Topher Grace character where it was just like, he was always wax and poetic and philosophical. And sometimes it comes like, sometimes you, it's intentionally like transparent where you're like, this guy's full of shit. He has no idea what he's talking about. That's the point of him. And I get that. But then there's other moments where like when he's talking to Michael Douglas and he's like, he said something, it's something. It's it's his rant about like like, people yelling at for drugs at black people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, Oh, what are you talking about? Yeah, Cause he's talking out his ass. And then Michael Douglas just stares at him and then he stops talking. That's, that's the, that's the joke, RJ. Calm down. Well, anyways, I thought even the inclusion of that, I was like, mm, I don't know. So there are a few things like there are, there's elements that I think that social commentary stuff comes out really well. There's certain parts of the movie that I think they do a good job with it. And then there's other parts where I was like, eh, I'm not I'm not super on board with how you're portraying this aspect of that. But that's my own bias because i have my own opinions on things uh okay what here here's what i'll get at jared here are the good things uh i think this movie has a very good natural escalation where each of these things is kind of building and building and it doesn't feel like it's doing it so that you can get to a bigger part it feels like it's doing it because that's what would happen so that might sound vague and ambiguous, but like, let's say the attic girl, it's kind of like a net, it kind of builds and it builds until she gets to a point where it's kind of out of control or with Benicio del Toro, he's playing a certain role and then it gets to a next step and then he's not as comfortable anymore and it gets to a next step and he's even less comfortable. So it builds and it builds. But again, it doesn't feel like they're doing it just for the sake of doing it. So I think this movie, like you said, it has a very good pacing. And the even for the story itself, it has a very good natural progression. Uh, I, I really liked the sound design in this with the music. So when there is like there's the shootout scenes, uh, they really stole some uh, some Michael Mann techniques here where they just kind of cut all other sound and you just have the natural sounds of what's going on. I liked that. Uh, and then when the music does or the score, whatever does come in, it seems fitting for the the parts. So that's good. Uh, Benicio del, uh, del Toro is very good. Uh, I think he's a little bit his story. His story is like a very important part of it. Uh, you kind of want to see more of him, but I think it's just because he does his role so well. It's very subdued and uh, like, I don't know. He, he holds a lot within, but I think he's just a very good actor where 
you can see what's going on, even though he doesn't like emote that much. But it's not that he's not acting like, as you would say, Harrison Ford, who's the bad actor. I think Benicio del Toro's. It's very like uh, it's very methodical in the way that he portray, uh, portrays this stuff. So he's very good. Um, what else is there? Uh, you know what I thought was hilarious was when Topher Grace was, uh, they were talking about all their parents and it's like, your dad's a doctor. And he's like, no, he does this. And it's like, your dad's a doctor. And Topher, uh, Topher Grace is like, yeah, he does research. And they're like, what kind of research? He's like, he's mapping the fucking pig genome. He's like, he can't help this like overdosing kid. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, like I, I do like some, or I do like the way that the stories play out. Uh, the only thing that I think, and it's not even a knock against the movie, I think it's just about movies in general, is I think it's it's almost to the point, like I never had a hard time keeping up with it, but it's almost to the point where it's too much for 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 the time they have. Because from what I understand, this was like an over three hour long movie and he cut it down to 220. That's what I said. Yeah, so that's and, 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 as, and, and as they and they cut down that from a six-hour miniseries. Exactly. Yeah. So like it's and that's what I mean. It's not a knock against the movie itself as as much as it is against movies, where it's like they tried to condense so much material mm-hmm. into such a time frame that you do lose certain things. Where uh, like there's characters who pop up. Like again, Dennis Quaid. He's in this thing for like a minute. It's like why was why was he even in this at all? Dennis Why was Quaid? it Dennis Quaid? Yeah. Uh, basically, well, that character is in the BBC miniseries. And it's for someone to, for Catherine Zeta-Jones to like bounce stuff off of. Mm. Like, I think there's like that sort of guidance because she has to figure this stuff out and it's got to be done that way so he's like the, he's a friend of a, he's a friend of her husband and so he's the guy sticking around that's that is why okay. Dennis Quaid is there that's a good that's a good answer actually you know what I, I just thought that I actually did like quite a bit is that I like how it sets up stuff uh, and there's no resolution because the story continues and like the point of it is that the story will continue no matter what where uh, the best example I think of like the very literal example is when Don Cheadle goes and has like a fit Mm-hmm. in the drug dealer's house and he plants the bug uh, because that's something that there's no there's no resolution to it mm-hmm. but it's in in the vein of the whole movie where it's like yeah this is an ongoing thing it's like Michael Douglas he's like well this is never going to end kind of yeah so no it's um I, I like traffic. I think it's a good movie. There there were certain things that kind of pulled me out of it a little bit, but uh, I, I do like it. I think it's a good show. I think the one that like is like the goofiest and it's in both the uh, miniseries and this is uh Catherine Zia Jones, like talking the like hardened assassin who never Where makes comes a mistake. Out of nowhere. Kill him. You got to do it right now. And they're like, okay. Yeah. And it's always like, cause like, it happens in both. And you're just kind of like, Hmm. I, I feel like he'd be like, no, there'll be another time. We can do this another way. And, and they did. <laughs> and it was like, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. But like the character in the BBC miniseries, she's given like another, like she's given a lot more scenes too. Like her, mm-hmm. um, you really see the, everything tightening around her. Whereas in this, it's kind of like, oh, your bills are kind of running out offhand. And then some guy threatened to kill your kid. They like mm-hmm. they do way more like there's way more build to that like where there's a guy who's like very nice and making threats about what's going to happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of builds up to her actually traveling to uh, Pakistan and like basically trying to make a new deal with the other side, which they kind of do with the dolls, with the cocaine infused mm-hmm. children's dolls. But then like he's like, well, OK, well, the deal is going to be that you're going to smuggle drugs and we're going to see if you have what it takes to do this. And then she, mm-hmm. then she does. But then there's like a fake out that she's like not crazy and that she didn't. She just had drugs that she's going to pretend are the ones that she smuggled, but she just threw them out immediately. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's like a good beat because it's like that's actually really smart and not just like, oh, man, because it creates all this false tension of her being searched. And you're like, oh, my God. And then it turns out all oh, expectations misdirected. Brilliant. <laughs> so that was like, that's a good thing. And they just like obviously did not have time to get that in this uh, version. Mm-hmm. Because you got to cut somewhere. You got to cut somewhere. That's right. But it's so yeah. sad when my boy Louise goes down. Yeah, it sucks, man. Uh, is there? Can I? I'll pose this to you and anyone listening. Is there a a less or a more likable guy in the world than Luis Guzman? There isn't. He is so adorable, and he's so sweet that if you don't like him, then there is a serious personal flaw to your character i think do you know what i mean as a fan i i guess i have to agree you do have to agree this is what i'm saying but he is he's he's a very like um wholesome guy (laughs) you just look at him and you're like he makes me feel good look at him smile (laughs) look at his happy demeanor what a what a nice boy uh, I don't have uh, to, I don't have a whole lot more to say, Jared. But How about that Selma Hayek uh, cameo. Oh, as a uh, wife number one or something. As, as Floozy. Floozy. Yeah, she. Uh, there was actually something weird. She was like smoking her cigarette, and I thought she did it in a really weird way, where it was like, I can't remember now. But there was something about that scene. I was like, why is she smoking like that? That's weird. I don't notice weird stuff, Jared. I have very, very real critiques of movies for very real reasons. It's not like very trivial, minute things that don't matter. <laughs> Nobody ever said that. No one. Nobody. Uh, yeah, traffic's pretty cool. Uh, I like traffic. I don't know if I'm doing it the uh, the service that uh, people might want, as it is a big Hollywood movie. Uh, is it the newest movie we've watched so far or mm, well in the mood for love came out the same year and there was like okay uh there's like another yeah but it's like definitely these we're like in a string of uh recent films here well i guess that's like, so in the mood for love was the um like the also breaking the point there well there was like insomnia which wasn't that old there were some like 90s mm. movies too i guess this is the newest north american hollywood big, film yeah well yeah yeah absolutely this is this is like the first big film since like i guess armageddon or the rock right yeah, yeah, yeah. but those don't like totally the, the, count the, the, yeah those are like novelty acts <laughs> yeah or chasing amy yep there, there's the, there you go yeah there's been more but again those, there's those, your those trilogy are small, those are small movies though really yeah Compared to well, Armageddon was big. It didn't. Okay. It didn't win four yeah. Oscars, but the Oscars no, are that's a like, joke, anyways. Well, yeah, as uh, once again proven year after year. Mm-hmm. Here, RJ. You know, what you want to hear about? Who uh, who hates traffic? Sure, I'd be fine for that. <sighs> All right then, Sadie, half a star. This is just bad. Is that it? That's it. 
Mm. You know what I think is bad? Their four-star review of Glass. Mm-hmm. There's no way that movie's four stars, but they got five-star movies here, Jarrett. They got The Devil Wears Prada. They got Nocturnal Animals, that movie people are always talking about. They got Notting Hill. They got Mamma Mia 2. Ant-Man and Wasp. San Junipero, that Black Mirror episode that everyone's really hot on, which is just like, okay. Infinity War. Five stars. These are all five stars, by the way. Oh, I, yeah. Anyways, uh, I don't trust their opinion at all. Matume, one star. Soderbergh loves to make films about things he has zero understanding of. His blind spots scream in this picture that pretends to have depth. Uh, I don't know because, like, I don't know anything about Mexican cartels, but it seemed like he had a good understanding of it. Yeah, yeah there's, like, one thing I read that was uh, fair. Like, because, like, there's a whole thing that they wrote a screenplay. There was a guy um, who, who actually wrote it, Steve Gagnon. He uh, was approached because he had this screenplay called Havoc that was floating around, and they're like, hey. Well, I've seen that movie. Let's uh, let's bring our resources together, and let's, let's do this mm-hmm. thing. And so they started started working on it, and uh, they wrote a screenplay, and they actually ran it by some, like, DEA people and some government people, and they were like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, some of this isn't right, and so they fixed it, and they had access, and they had people, like, legitimately in those positions uh, at the border and stuff like that actually, like, be the people in the movie. So I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it seems legit to me, but the one bit that is inaccurate is the line about uh, when Michael Douglas asks, well, who's my equivalent in Mexico? And they're like, well, you don't have one, or, or they don't have one for you. And that's not true. Yeah. It, the, the drug czar position was uh, created uh, in Mexico in 96. So, Well, there you go. But I guess it's like it adds to the whole, like it's an alternate universe where like mm-hmm. General Salazar, he is there to uh, fill the boots. Yeah. As he slithers all his lines. Yeah. Um, Matume, uh, all their five star movies are like Criterion, so that's not very. Okay. Doesn't say anything, but their half star movies speak volumes, Jared. Half a star to Vanilla Sky, half a star to Michael, the John Travolta Angel movie, half a star to Dunkirk, half a star to The Florida Project. Half a star to Brick. Half a star to I Am Sam, one of your favorite movies ever. (laughs) Half a star to Million Dollar Baby. Half a star to Kids by Harmony Caron. What? Half a star to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Hmm. What is this? What are you doing? Those are some strong politics. Strong politics, indeed. Um, And finally... Brian Hetherington, one star. When this movie wasn't busy boring the shit out of me, it was annoying mm. me with the cinematography and what felt like the exact same little bit of quasi-dramatic background music in every single scene. Although I mm-hmm. like the idea of the storylines, it was filled mostly with boring dialogue and drama-less acting. Also, couldn't stand the fact that the movie goes out with a touching scene based on an emotionless and barely coherent rant from halfway through. I guess he doesn't like that baseball diamond. I thought that was fine. Uh, But Brian is from Winnipeg, Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's a weird thing, Jarrett. You know what they gave five stars to? What? Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. That's a little weird, no? It's a a well-seen movie. 
They only have three half-star movies. It's Doom, House of a Thousand Corpses, and Donnie Darko. <laughs> and their one-star movies are Traffic. Oh, okay, wait. Okay, so Traffic, Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton. That's a pretty bad movie. Hostel 3. I, I don't think I've seen that. But he, these are their other one-star movies, Jared. So there's Traffic. There is The Machinist. There is Freddy Got Fingered, which is what? a pretty good show. There is The Life of Qu- the Life Aquatic of wow. Steve Azizu. And then there is Brokeback Mountain. This is the weirdest collection of one-star <laughs> reviews I have ever seen. That is pretty weird. Well, whatever. That's why they live in Winnipeg, whoever this guy is. Am I right? Subtle Canadian uh, shade yeah. being thrown at other provinces. That's right. Winter peg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had nothing to follow that. Nope. Oh well. Oh well. You should have watched the Limey RJ. It has Louise Guzman too. I I wanted to. I just I didn't have the time, man. No, those axes aren't going to throw themselves. Hey, I. I didn't ask to go to this thing, dude. You know I get drugged, drugged. I I get brought along to things all the fucking time. It's not my fault. Dude. After the break, (sighs) Topher Grace is going to ask RJ if it's okay if he smokes some crack before he blows his load. Do you, uh, is this like freebasing? It's exactly freebasing <laughs> he's the worst i hate his face who topher grace or yeah, me both but oh, okay. no, you know what's funny rand old denny quaid and topher grace are in a film together called in good company that i also saw in theater isn't that that movie that's like um all about like dicks and stuff probably uh, is that our podcast probably down the roadways I've heard say a new day's coming on Where the women folks are friendly and the law leaves you alone I'll believe it when I seize it, but I haven't seen it yet Don't mind me, just keep on talking, I'm just looking for my hat Ain't no God in Mexico, ain't no way to understand how that border-crossing feeling makes a fool out of a man If I'd never felt the sunshine, I would not curse the rain If my feet could fit a railroad track, I guess I'd have been a train Me and Louise Higginbotham used to chase across the yard Back in 1947 So RJ, when your father becomes drug czar of Canada, what kind of drug are you going to get addicted to? I would say something that's like not too mainstream, but still like really cool. Like, like, like uh, crocodile. Remember crocodile? I do remember crocodile. That's the one that made everyone like real scaly, and then they went crazy and shit. Well, you just rotted, I think. Or well, then there's bath salts. Yeah, those are out of fashion now. I know. I those are so like. Remember the good old days of those? That's all the drug we had to worry about. It was bath salts? No. Yeah. Yeah, and then we we just got one that's like doesn't make people crazy but kills everyone and it's like it's less interesting. Yeah. What it, maybe my drug will be a Criterion Collection podcast where where the guys are really fun and like nice to listen to. 
You can email us at criterioncues at gmail.com and tell us about your choice of drug. Mm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got a Patreon. We're on YouTube. We've got SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all the good things in life. Next week, RJ, Spine mm. 152, George Washington from 2000, directed by one David Gordon Green. You know what, RJ? Mm. This is a, I've only seen one other David Gordon Green movie. The new Halloween movie? No, uh, Undertow, and that's it. Are you gonna watch uh, like Joe and Halloween and Apple like Express and Your Highness? Ah, uh, don't do not watch Your Highness. That movie is a complete waste of time. But it's about drugs. I thought they were cool now. Mm, well, Pineapple Express isn't bad. Don't do not watch Your Highness. That movie sucks, real bad. What about Natalie Portman's butt? You can just Google that. That's the scene's only like a second long. Danny McBride, though. Come on. He's in Pineapple Express, too. He is. I could watch both. I would just watch Pineapple Express, man. Do not put yourself through Your Highness. That movie is very bad. What if I want to put you through uh, Your Highness? Ugh, that sounded weird. Actually, you're a D&D nerd. You might, like... Yeah. Does it, does it have dragons in it? No. Oh. Well, fuck that, then. No, it's just a bad movie. Watch his other stuff. Well, I'll be watching at least one of his stuffs. <laughs> Quit typing, RJ. Quit typing. <laughs> hey, good night, folks. I'm um, tippity tap typing. <laughs>